Good morning, I'm Randy Miller, and I'm reading the scripture today. And the scripture is John 6, 41 through 71. It's found on page 93 of the New Testament of the Pew Bible. And I'll be reading from the NIV of the Bible. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world." Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, and how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who through one of the twelve was later to betray him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And Randy, you get overtime for that. It was a long one. It's going to probably be the longest passage that we do on uh, during the sermon series. But And there's a lot here, and I'm not going to be able to deal with all of it, but I wanted to keep the whole situation in context, and it was really the only way 
I could do it. The video is like five minutes. Uh, usually I shoot for two or less, two minutes or less. So, uh, so uh, grab your popcorn, I guess. And you might as well because uh, this Thursday, are, are you ready for it? Thanksgiving, ready to be thankful. I just want to say I'm thankful for the band again, but Anders, you did great singing. I don't know if you knew that John, John was not moving his lips. Uh, and, and so someone else was actually singing that, and we knew it wasn't Laura, you know, unless she, you know, really got a much deeper voice. So, uh, so honors, great job. Thank you so much for sharing this morning on our worship. Uh, my, my hope is that when Thanksgiving comes around this Thursday, you can truly be thankful and grateful. You know, sometimes we come to it and our hearts aren't really in it. I'm hoping that your heart is because no matter what you're facing, no matter whether you're, you're, you're facing something that you'd rather not or whether things aren't going the way you want them to or whether you're facing an unknown future and kind of a fearful future, know this, that Jesus is walking with you through it all and he is with you. And like the song says, he's never let you down up to this point and he will see you through it. And that, my friends, is something to truly be thankful for. Now, I don't know what you all are doing for Thanksgiving. I know uh, some families get together and celebrate the, the three F's, you know, family, food, and football. Uh, I hope you put the, the fourth F in there, uh, faith, uh, and being grateful. Uh, some of you have traditions that you do every single year. You know, it's, you just kind of know. Uh, my family, I think we're still trying to figure this out. Uh, we've got a kid in Seattle. We've got a kid teaching up north. We've got a couple of kids in college. I'm still not sure when people are coming home and when they're going to be there. But I figure around Thanksgiving time, we'll, we'll have the whole house filled with people. So we're still trying to figure out our tra- traditions. My wife's family, and it's, it doesn't matter whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, anytime they get together, there's one tradition they have. And that is they always play cards. Doesn't matter. Every time they get together, play cards. Any other families like that? Oh, you see, they're like, ours is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like cards. I don't like playing cards. I, I'd much rather watch football or a movie or read a book, anything other than play cards. But I do have to share, uh, I, I did play cards a few months ago. It was a card game. Some of you might know this called... Uh, Phase 10, I'm not going to explain the rules because they can get a little bit complex. I'm a little embarrassed to share this because in the end, I was, it was one of my jerkier moments. Uh, you know, can we, is it okay that a pastor has a jerky moment? You know, it was, it was in fact, it was a really jerky moment. Uh, I, I don't know why. People are playing cards and they ask and I said, sure, I'll play. I think I was just wanting to surprise people. You know, sometimes it's like, don't think you know me. Sometimes I do things to surprise you. And so uh, they're like, wow, you know, he's playing cards. This is a miracle. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and the first few hands, I had like zero points. I was like the first out, you have to like add up your cards at the end of the hand if you still have cards. And I was out. In fact, this, the second, third round, I think I only had like under five points. And I'm rethinking this whole card thing. I'm thinking, you know what, this, this, you know, because this is kind of a fun time, you know, everyone else is struggling. And then I had, you know, one of those bad hands, you know, but it wasn't as bad as some of the other hands. And so I was still doing all right. And then the next hand was still a little struggle. And then the hand after that, uh, you know, they, they dealt the cards. So I had, I think, what is it, 12 cards? 
Okay, 12 cards. So you have got 12 cards. And so you have to organize them. You have to get them in a certain order and everything. And they're going around and people are playing their turn. And I'm pretty sure it's a person to my left. All right. So I have not played yet. It's a person to my left. She puts down a card. She picks up a card and she says, I'm out. Yes. It's like, and, and I look, they had like three wild cards because the wild cards are very important. I'm thinking, it's like, I've got like 3,000 points in my hand. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. Nope, no. And I, I was speechless. I was speechless. I couldn't believe it. And they came to me and they say, how many points do you have, Dave? I said, I have zero because I quit. And I did. I literally quit. I, I threw down the cards. I said, I, you know, this is a card game, not a math problem. And I just had way too many cards. I had a lot of the high point cards because I had some skips and I had, you know, but, you know, 11s and 12s. It's like, I couldn't believe it. And so that was literally the last time I played cards. So if you're getting a card game going, uh, you might want to look somewhere else. Uh, have you ever been that frustrated? Have you ever been so frustrated or upset that you just quit, that you gave up, that you said no more? Well, I think you might be able to uh, maybe identify with me, but maybe identify with this scripture a little bit. Because what we're looking at today is an account when many of Jesus' disciples, because he had more than 12 at this point, he had a, quite a following. He just fed, you know, the multitude, and so he had quite a following. But many of them chose to give up on Jesus. And so uh, I invite you to pray with me, and then we'll take a look at our scripture. Uh, Father, uh, lead and guide us as we look at your word. May it truly be an inspiration to us. Uh, May it give us some guidance and some directives. And Father, help us uh, to allow this scripture to be a light and lamp to our path. In your name we pray. Amen. And like I said, this this is a little long, but uh, we'll make it through. Well, I wanted to start with what I think is perhaps one of the saddest verses in the Bible, and it's very easy for me to remember because it's John 6.66, and it's the verse where we learn that many of his disciples, again, he had a, a following at that point, so many disciples, but many of them ended up stepping back and no longer went about with him. And John tells us it was because of this, and you look back a little bit further And we learn that when they heard it, they said the teaching, this teaching is difficult, who can accept it? And what teaching was that? Well, it's the teaching about him being the bread of life. And we see that all the way back into last week where he said, I am the bread of life. Those who eat of me will never be hungry. Those who who come to me will never be hungry, hungry. And those who believe in me will never be thirsty. And right away, they started grumbling, uh, just like their ancestors did in the wilderness, and said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his dad. We know his mom. How can he say he comes down from heaven? They they weren't getting it. And Jesus says something very important in verse 45. And later, in later sermons, he will kind of reiterate this a little bit. He says, uh, he quotes from the prophets from Isaiah, and he says, they shall all be taught by God. And then he says, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Those who are open and receptive to God, those who who want God to be leading them and guiding them, and, and, and they're open to what God wants. He says, those are the ones who come to me. And he says, I tell you the truth. Whoever what? Believes. 
Please, I'm not going to do it this hour. First hour, I said, do you remember what I said about belief last week? And the people were like, uh, yeah. And I know what it is. You, you don't want to be raising your hand saying, oh, I know all the answer, you know. Uh, but last week, I mentioned that belief is hard, is tough business. You know, we try to make it out easy that you come to church and you say a prayer, you go on your way. But there's more to it than that. It's about reorienting your life around Jesus, around God, his will and his way. And he says, those who believe, whoever has eternal life. He says, I'm the bread of life. And then he starts comparing the two. He said, the bread your, your ancestors ate in the wilderness, what, what did they do? They died. Yeah, he says, they died. But I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Who eats of this bread will what? Yeah, live and live forever. And along with this, I'm sure Jesus is also talking about the fact that he came to give life and to give it abundantly, like he says in John 10.10. He says, the bread that I give, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so we have this comparison between the two different kinds of bread, but those listening to Jesus just keep wanting to look at it in a physical way, in a physical manner. We see Nicodemus did that when Jesus says you must be born again. We see that the woman did it when they talked about the living water. Uh, We see it once again here. But Jesus is talking about a different kind of bread. And he tells them, or, or then they start arguing and they say that how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus actually doubles down on this. Instead of trying to make things a little better, maybe a little bit easier to, can I say it? I I forgot to say this first hour. Make the teacher teaching a little easier to stomach. Uh, See what I did there? (laughs) Actually, someone in a commentary wrote that. I'm thinking, okay, that's good. That's good. You know, because we do use those phrases, right? Uh, Stomach the teaching. You're going to eat your word. You know, we we, we use the same metaphor, but they're not getting it. But Jesus doubled down on it and says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You know, the, the people listening, they were thinking this is like a horror flick. You know, how in the world are we going to do this? But Jesus is talking about this other dimension of life. This deeper dimension of life. And then he says, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like that which your ancestors ate and died. He's trying to give them some clues. You need to be open to God. You need to be receptive to him. He says, it's not like what they ate. They ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. You know, and, and, and as I look at this passage, you know, we're not yammering back for the bread of the manna in the, the wilderness, like what they were asking. We're not asking for, for to be fed, uh, you know, Jesus to take a few loaves, because remember, that's how it all started. Uh, he fed them with a few loaves and some fishes, and they wanted him to do it again. Uh, I guess a little bit like our song, do it again, Lord, make, you know, feed us again. And he's trying to tell them that they're missing the point. But the question is, do we miss the point? And the question I have in my mind is, what do I feast on? You know, they wanted this bread from heaven, their ancestors. That's what they wanted to feast on. But what do we feast on? I think it's pretty evident what we feast on. Uh, We feast at the table of of power, of pleasure, of prestige, of possessions. 
We want to feast on security and safety and comfort. There are so many things that we feast on, and we feast on it by, by kind of orienting our life toward that and really orchestrating our lives so that we can, can end up getting these things that we think are so important. The question is, what do we feast on? Because Jesus is inviting us to feast on him. And we've seen in our culture, we see enough stories to know that the folks who feast on these things, at some, at some point, these things actually destroy them. Uh, we have novels like that. We have stories like that. We see it on Twitter. We see it all these places, these folks, that this is what is so important to them, and it literally consumes them and destroys them. But Jesus offers us a completely different way, but it's not necessarily an easy way because belief is a tough business. And so it makes sense that they said this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? I think the disciples, these disciples got it. I don't think they were misunderstanding Jesus' teaching. I think they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. He said, I, I am the one. I am the one you have to feast on. I am the only one. And we even have issues with that. And, and they say, who can accept it? And then we're back to the saddest verse, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, that because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. You know, it's, it's interesting. The Greek word that John uses for turn back is, I found, extremely interesting. I, I, I looked up to see what the literal word, the literal Greek word was. Because translators will translate it differently depending on, you know, the, just the translation. But the literal, are you ready for the literal Greek word? It's this. They went away to what lies behind. I read that, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Because we know people who have done that. They're finally moving in a good direction. They found hope and they found purpose. And something happens. Maybe things don't go the way they want it to. Maybe something gets in the way. And they turn back to what lies behind. And we say, why? Why are you doing that? And that's exactly what these disciples were doing. And I have to hand it to Jesus. You know, I've had people talk to me from time to time. They'll, they'll come in and they'll say, you know, we're, we're not going to, to come to the church anymore. Uh, those are, are never conversations you want to have. And there's always reasons and, and everyone has their reasons and they need to go where God is calling them to go. But I really have to hand it to Jesus because the question that he asked next, I, I, I learned when I was raising kids that if you don't want to know the answer to a question, you don't ask the question. Uh, because you might get an answer that you don't want. And so you just, okay, I'm not going to ask them where they were last night because I'm afraid they're going to tell me. And then, then it's a thing. Then it's a thing. But I have to hand it to Jesus because this is a courageous question that he asks. He says, he looks at the 12 and he says, are you guys going to leave too? Can you imagine that? The courage, because if the 12 leave, if that core, if those committed folks leave, but I love what Peter says because Peter got it. Peter really got it. He said, there's nowhere else. All these other things that lay behind, they're going to end up in death in one way or the other. You are the Holy One of God. You are the one with the words of eternal life. You are the only one. There's no way we could go back no matter what your teaching is. Because we have come to believe. And like I said, belief is tough business, isn't it? 
You see, they feasted on Jesus. Peter was feasting on Jesus, and he knew that, that Jesus was the one that would bring life and life eternal. So how do we feast on Jesus? I think we feast on Jesus when we spend time in his word. Does that make sense? Spend time reading scripture, studying, trying to understand. That's feasting on Jesus. We feast on Jesus when we come together like this and we, we worship and we, we don't just go through the motions, but rather we engage with the songs and we lift up and we sing like what the scripture said earlier with, with joyfulness and with thanksgiving. We're not just writing it in, sending it in, but we are completely and totally engaged, worshiping the one, only one who is worthy of our worship. We feast on him when we don't just pray on the run or multitask pray and prayer into the, 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 the crevices of our lives, but, but rather we, we find that focused time that we can spend with him and we can be in a receptive and listening posture, not just giving him our wants and our needs, but listening to what he wants from us. We feast on Jesus when we serve others, both inside these walls and outside. We feast on Jesus when we share others the story of, of our relationship with Jesus, especially to those who, who don't have that relationship and don't know that he's inviting them to life and life abundant and forgiveness. My prayer is that you would feast on Jesus. That somehow, some way, that he would become the core of who you are. Because he is the only one that gives life. That you would feast on him. Because the only one with the words of life is Jesus. Let's join together in prayer. Father, help us to feast on you. Help us to find that life that you came to give to be part of who we are and help us to not just hang on to it, but also be, be light bearers and hope bringers in the world. And as we do so, may we discover what life really is. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We do have opportunity.